in the world of floral design, there are so many heartfelt, educational, truly earnest podcasts. Are we going to take a listen to one or are we going to try and create one? <laughs> Maybe one day we should. I think one day How we should funny. give it a go. Like that, that sounds really lovely on paper. I don't know if we're the people for it, but we can always give it a go, girl. I would kind of secretly love that. I'm not going to lie. I think that would be so funny to us do like a really genuine episode. Can you imagine being genuine for once? It's like, it's like basically giving a blind person six pots of paint and being like paint abstract art. Well, of course it's going to be abstract art, love. Do you know, like it's... Go forth, Kandinsky. <laughs> Can you imagine? Don't you imagine? <laughs> How are you this week, my darling I'm friend? Good, I'm good, love. Going? On the other yeah. side of Valentine's Day, love, the best way to be, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> How was it for you? I know you were several challenges, um, you know, with every, for everyone, really, this Valentine's. It How was, was it, a girl? big soft cock here, love. Like, I <laughs> like, it was really, it was underwhelming. You know, like, it was just a total milkless tit. Like, there was no way <laughs> to make anything good of it. You know, prices were too high. It was 40 mm. degrees here. You know, it was, it was a snooze. Yeah, I saw so many florists for the first time say... We are not doing Valentine's Day. We yeah. are closing. And yeah. I have, I don't think I've ever really seen that Me before either. in yep. my career. Like I remember, I Agreed. follow, um, another florist in Perth who we've talked about yes. on the podcast, yep. uh, natural art flowers, yep. Rebecca Grace. And mm-hmm. cause we, you know, we love her work. And I, uh, I saw, like, I think she put a post up being like, she was like, no thanks. Stepping out of it. Yep. Yeah. We're not doing Valentine's. <laughs> we're closed. And I thought, gosh, I think this is the first time in my career. And I've been in the industry now, um, you know, 18 years. And I yeah. thought, myself this is the first time that i've seen um that i've seen this people actually saying we are not taking valentine's day you know we're not doing it i mean can you imagine that can you imagine flora saying that like back in the day back in the heyday of the industry when it was in the 80s and 90s can you imagine a florist being like no we're not doing valentine's thanks no and uh, you know it's funny i have so much ptsd attached to like valentine's day because to me valentine's day is me as like a little boy sitting in the corner of my mum's shop like folding out together like plastic cylinders for like single red roses (laughs) yeah i know the ones yeah Yeah. and like rolling up cellophane to cut it to make like little cellophane tinsel and like just mm. just disgusting you know like and, and just <laughs> but the, the volume love like the volume i mean i i think back to when i was little about how valentine's day used to be such a such an event like something like you know black friday at macy's you know like it was something yeah. that people lined up for at the front of a florist shop Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's been a very, very strange Valentine's Day. And for yep. all our listeners, I hope that they've had a very successful one. I myself had a very successful one because I was at home. <laughs> we did four bouquets in total. Um, and, you know, that was success as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, love, she, she doesn't Day. even need to go into the studio, love. She's just, no, she didn't. No. She, why would she? Why, why, why bother? would she? Why would she? Why would she? Um... I believe today we have a very delicious topic to dive into. One which I've got to be honest with you, like, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of this podcast is really me asking you questions on how to be a better business person. And this one I am particularly interested in because I know that you have a lot more experience in this than I do. I don't know about that because I feel like this is your, this is now your, your, um, area too, sis. So I'm, well, I'm excited. 
She's come a long way. She's about I mean, to be a published wait, wait, wait. author. She is about to be a published author. That is, that is true. That is true. Um, our topic today, ladies and gentlemen, how to be a regional celebrity. Um, which is essentially the definition of how to work PR and marketing and how to make a name for yourself. Um, in how your to career be a market. <laughs> I don't understand oh. what. The issue. Hilarious. Hilarious. Like, it's about how can you be regionally relevant? Now, whether this is just in your own, like, zip code, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. She's notorious in M5. Yeah, truly. It's like, if if being a regional celebrity means that the local two coffee shops know your coffee order off by heart, then you've made it. You've made it. Close the shop, retire. You've made it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I know a really funny little thing. Like, I used to whirl around my studio and my home regularly stating that I was an international businesswoman. And, um, after COVID, where we you knew when COVID hit and stuff, I was joking with my husband a couple of, you know, like about probably six months ago, a year ago now. Mm. And I was saying, Oh, I just want to get back to being an international businesswoman. And he was like, as opposed to a regional one. <laughs> And I was oh, like, she's pushing. She's, she's actually pushing. pushing. But it was fact, because I haven't left my region for quite a while. So there we are. Um, so today, I guess, what I would love to know, Matthew, is you've all got a huge amount of experience in engaging with, you know, engaging in PR with, you know, different yep. radio stations or different magazines or different newspapers, et cetera, et cetera, different websites. How, what do you have any key tips? What's the first thing that springs to mind okay. when you think of how to make it name for yourself or your business? So this is interesting because as like a forewarning to the following conversation i want to just say yeah i want to say that when you want to take that next step and you want to be a uh let's say regional celebrity as we've put it right so you want to be known two things it means that you are about to commit to putting your face out for consumption so it means that people will recognize you. And I'm talking like, even if you're only looking to just be the local florist in your village, and I'm talking like, you know, 5,000 population. If you're happy with every single person in the village knowing that you're the town florist and that people will stop you in the street and try and give you like an order and try and give you cash and all that sort of caper. If that's what regional celebrity looks like, great. If you are thinking of going a little bit further afield and you want to try and get a little bit more notoriety. Let's just say you've won some awards or you're launching something. You really want people to know your product and your brand. Mm -hmm. It's really important to make sure that you are actually ready to go. There is no point in promoting yourself or your brand if you haven't got shit to sell. Like, Mm. if there's no call to action, if there's nowhere for people to go and discover you, your product, your service, whatever it is, then don't bother. Do not bother. Why bother? Why bother? And I've seen Mm. this, I have actually seen this in the past where I've come across people, I've come across, you know, stories in the media or whatever, or even just on social media, and... Mm -hmm. You look at something at, at what, you, you know, you're looking at pictures or you might look at a short video or something like that. And then you land on the website and you think, no, this can't possibly be the same thing. You know, have you ever had that where it's just like, it's not speaking the same language? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it happens all the time, I think. And especially in this day and age, because fame, for lack of a better, you know, mm. or notoriety, mm-hmm. for, like, or having a profile, for lack of a better word, um, is so cheap nowadays. Mm-hmm. And it, anybody can start an Instagram account and can start promoting, you know, pictures or stories yep. or, you know, whatever it might be mm-hmm. um, to get their face out there. And there is no guarantee of quality. There is no guarantee that you're going to get what you pay for there's no guarantee that anything will be good you know for all you know you could see something or see someone on instagram you could click on it and you can have the best experience ever or you could click on it and get some horrendous package shipped from china three months later which you know bears no bearing at all to what you're actually kind of signing up for and i think in this day and age when it is so easy to put yourself out there not necessarily to you know be a celebrity as mm-hmm. such you know like a national or international level mm. celebrity but it's so easy to promote yourself and to put yourself out there and let people know what you're doing i think it comes first and foremost it do, it is about you and i think i think you're very very right to say you have to be comfortable with yep. putting yourself out mm-hmm. there i know there are some businesses that um some brands that will act very much as you know a brand they won't have a face or a, a person behind it so much and they will make statements as the brand and such um but it is so much more compelling if there is a human person there and that's because people connect to other humans they don't necessarily connect to like faceless corporations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think that's why a lot of big design houses, you know, Dior, et cetera, et cetera, why they have a lead chief designer who is visible. You know, they might have someone who is fantastic in the background, but they are far more successful, I think, when they have a face to them that people can connect to and someone that they can identify with. A hundred percent. And it's like, it's the same as, I mean, I'm sure that you would have it in the UK in that like we have our department store, like our equivalent of Selfridges here, like mm-hmm. David Jones always has mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. an ambassador, a face. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 You know, Very like, much so. and it's the same. I think it's like you can own a business or you can own a brand and you don't have to be the face of it. Like if yeah. I could go back and change how I've marketed, like, I'm grateful for how I've marketed myself and my business and my professional success. But, you know, Mm -hmm. if I could go back and change it, I probably would have come up with, like, a really cute, like, cartoon character. Right. Do you know okay. what I mean? Like, so it's like it's like an actual a brand character. name or yeah. something. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so there's a distance between at the actual Matthew and uh-huh. the Matthew Landers kind Correct. of brand. Yeah. It's, I think a little bit of it depends on the product you're selling as totally. well. Totally. Yeah. 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 Because if you're selling, you know, flowers or plants or candles or dot, 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 mm-hmm. I think there is definitely more of a distance between the product that you're selling mm. and between kind of the person that you are. And you don't necessarily have to be as involved as the face of it whereas over the past two years um you know i've, I've run a school for the past uh, seven years um hands-on you know for uh, flower school but over the past two years we've done a lot more online you know since the pandemic has hit obviously um and it would be very very difficult for me to sell a course or sell an ebook or sell whatever i'm kind of trying you know whatever educational uh you know product that i've come up with um if i wasn't a part of it Mm. If I, if it wasn't my voice or my face or my hands, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that would be a lot harder to be like, Joseph Massey endorses this, but he features nowhere in yes, this absolutely. course. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like, it just doesn't really make sense. So I think it does depend a little bit on what you're selling as to how involved you have to be. Now, if 
you were starting out, if you were like a relatively new business or maybe you've just got a couple of years experience in the industry, how would you approach trying to get your name out there? Or even if you were planning the launch of a new shop or a new business, kind of, what would your kind of key approaches be? Would you focus more on traditional media? Would you focus more on social media? What do you reckon you would do nowadays? Oh, look, I'm I'm big believer in like speaking to the audience that you're trying to um, reach. So, for example, like if I was in an area, you know, a geographical area where everyone that lived there was between sixty and dead, are mm-hmm. they going to be sitting on Instagram and TikTok <laughs> and mm-hmm. Facebook all day? Mm-hmm. You know, or would yeah. I actually be better to do print media in that situation? You know, so firstly, yeah. I would yeah. yeah. So I would think first and foremost, it's just like who are you talking to and how. So if you want to talk to young people, for example, so when I say young people, I'm going to say thirty or under. So if you want mm-hmm. to talk to someone that's thirty or under, completely connected to mobile devices at all times. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. of all the media there which can you commit to having the most bang for your buck so if you think that your capability leads that you can create some um, nice content and have a photographer shoot some nice pictures and leave it at that great so you're going to have what we would all refer to as feed posts right whereas if you're got a you know, you're a little bit more charismatic and you can create some videos, add some humanity to it, whether it's funny or non-funny, information or whatever, then you've got the potential to do things like TikTok, stories, reels, all those sorts of things to make your, um, you know, marketing, uh, you know, a little bit more succinct and dramatic. Yeah. And I think the key to success is creating hype, creating hype. You know, we all love a countdown. You know, we all love to know what's coming on a certain day at a certain time mm-hmm. and, it is about creating that hype because it's if you can create the hype, then you can get people engaged. And it means that people are also there engaged for you and ready to see what you've got and ready to spend. They're ready to spend. Absolutely. I think regardless of whatever market or industry you're in, everybody likes a little bit of excitement and everyone likes something that is a little bit fresh and everyone likes something that is a little bit new. And I think as a business Mm -hmm. owner, it is your duty. It's part of your role, part of the one of, you know, 10,000 hats that you have to wear to understand that marketing is a key part of your business. Like the way I see kind of like the interplay of marketing and PR, I think like marketing is everything you can kind of do within your power. And I think marketing can be planned and it can be, you know, coordinated and Mm -hmm. it can be like, you know, shared out into responsibilities and all the rest of it. I think PR is a much more fickle thing. And if I'm baking a cake, I think that the actual cake itself is marketing. And I like to think of PR as kind of like the icing on top. Like it's, uh, in my experience, it can be hit or miss. Mm -hmm. It's very last minute. It can be, you know, stuff can land or it can't. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is really a little bit outside your control. Like, mm-hmm, I'm, you know, mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm. building up to launch a book this summer. And on the side of things that we can do with marketing, there are so many things that we can, you know, put out there to kind of share the book and show the book and tell people all the great things about the book, etc., etc. Whereas the issue with PR kind of activities is it depends on TV stations and radio stations and do they have, you know, space for this feature? Um, oh, have they done something similar? like recently so they might not want to do something again and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And great things can come from PR, but in my experience, I think a great business needs to have a mix of marketing activities and PR. Like I'm kind of 
I guess I'm kind of pretty ashamed to say that easily for the first three years of my business, I did not market myself whatsoever. I didn't really understand what marketing was. Do you know what I mean? So like, if we I break that down, school? if we break that down then in those first three years, how did you get jobs? That's a really good point. How did I get jobs in the first three years? Well, I was very, very lucky because when I started off, I had a name within the industry. Yeah, of course. So things such as like teaching gigs mm-hmm. or demonstrations or commissions would start to come in because of previous work that I had, um, so previous referral work I had based. conducted. Referral based. Yeah. So I was incredibly lucky because I'd had, you know, a previous 10 years in the industry. But if I didn't have that, I would have been so screwed. Like our wedding in a event business, we started off, you know, sitting there thinking, gosh, you know, it was referrals for the first year. Mm. You know, all oh, my friends just started a business. Da, 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 da. And then we started to realize, oh, we have to put ourselves out there. Like mm-hmm. we have to kind of see what we can do. And luckily on the school, on the education side of things, we were only doing hands-on classes back then. Um, but that was, that came a little bit off my reputation as well, because mm-hmm. I was able to kind of leverage, you know, use yeah. my, leverage my name and, you know, put some things out there. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really truly understand you know who my audience was Mm. you know I hadn't even really identified my services and I hadn't even considered how I could try and convey those services so you basically spent the first few years as exploration trial and error absolutely absolutely I say to people all the time and I think I've said on this podcast like do not copy the way I started a business I am a blueprint of how not to do it I came back from New York when I was 25 I freelanced for about a year and a half nearly two years just taking on odd jobs seeing what was out there doing bits and pieces just kind of like piecing things together seeing what was out there because I'd come you know I'd risked I had taken a big risk to go to New York and it hadn't paid off Um, and when I came back I had no work I had nothing booked I knew I didn't want to work with someone else but I wasn't sure where to begin so I really had to kind of get out there and see what was out there and then when I did start the business Mm. um, you know we had the Flower School, the UK School of Floristry. We started Joseph Massey Flowers and, you know, Joseph Massey Art, essentially. And it was a case of kind of really smelling what sells. It was a case of kind of going out there and being like, what is good? What can we, what will work and what won't? And I had no strategy. I had no idea what I was doing. And I really just had to kind of kind of see what worked and what didn't. You know, we'd have some classes that would sell out. We'd have some classes that totally wouldn't sell. We would do one or two weddings and then we might get a couple more inquiries for that. So we'd focus a little on that. It was a total shit show yeah. for the first couple of years. It really, really was. And then after, I would say, probably about two years in business, um, what it was actually is in my first year in business, I remember the figure that I did. And I did six figures in my first year, which I was very, very proud of. And the next year, that figure doubled. And I was like, oh, this is so great. We're doing so well. But then in year three, it did not double again. It increased a little, Mm. but it didn't double again. And that made me think, hang on, I was very lucky for the first two years because I could use my name to kind of, you know, uh, you know, have opportunities and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, but I kind of thought to myself, hang on a second, you need to be a better businessman here because mm. it's not just going to naturally double again and again and again. And I think you met me in the first or second year of my company, of my business. Yeah. And 
It I was just the second, the, just as the beginning of the second, because you just moved from your inner city studio. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah so I, I had an inner city little tiny studio in the, um, when I was freelancing. And then when I moved to like my proper studio, that's when, that's really when I started the business, you know, when yeah. we had all three parts running and all the rest of it. Um, and I really, it was that moment when I kind of looked at the figures and I thought, year one, I was so proud of myself. Year two, so proud of myself. Year three, I thought, this, you could do better here. You're not being the best steward of your business because you're not considering where you're putting your energy, what story you're telling, where you're focusing things. And gosh, I wasted so much time and so much money back then. And mm. it's only now that I think I have a much better understanding of kind of who I am and what our business is and where our business is going that I kind of look back and think, oh my God, you were such a disaster back then. But you know, you don't know what you don't know. No. And, you know, there's a lot of the time, even if you've got a mentor or someone to guide you, like, you don't always want to actually do exactly what they say and what they do. And, you know, you you, you have to allow yourself a little bit of time and energy to, to be on your own journey and go on your own little self-discovery. But I think it can definitely be a thing that I've definitely been guilty of it in the past, where it's just like, God, I wish I'd snapped this off sooner. Like, I wish I'd identified that I was wasting time quicker, you know, like and sooner. Oh, absolutely. And redirected into something more productive or profitable. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Because in the beginning, you know, it, this is really funny, actually. I've been approached for... Um, a couple of about three commissions since the start of the year. And what is really, really interesting is that back then, back when I was starting out, I would have chased these and obsessed about them and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, straight away, two of them, I was like, I don't think this is for me. Mm. And they were five figure commissions. They were decent size, you know, projects. And immediately I kind of could feel my way through them. And I was like, nah. So the first one, um, I basically, they said what they wanted. And I, I immediately, I knew that half of the project, they had said, oh, we can build like the base of it or whatever. And then you can kind of, you know, do your thing on top of it, or you can do the whole thing. And I immediately said, you build the base. I've no interest. Mm-hmm. Because whereas back when I was younger, I might have gone, oh, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can. Da, da, da. Like I'm so much more aware of where my strengths lie and where my profit lies nowadays. Um, and equally, I had a, a project come up a couple of weeks ago, about two weeks ago now. And they said, oh, we're thinking of doing this. And it, what they, what the client wanted was something quite intricate and quite detailed. Um, and I just, I just said, yep, yeah, okay, that's no problem. We can totally do it. We're going to need, you know, eight weeks. We're going to need, you know, 20,000 or whatever the, the price was. Mm. And, you know, we went through it and they said, oh, like, it, we've only got four weeks. Is there any chance you could come down? And I was like, no, mm. like, absolutely never. Whereas before I might have thought, because um, the only reason why I declined that is A, because I'm in a position where I don't need the work and I don't need every commission that comes my way. Mm-hmm. But second, which is, you know, a very, I'm very lucky to be in that position. But more to the point, I knew that I would be really, really pressuring myself to try and deliver what they wanted in a, th- with uh, a timeline that was a third shorter than I had stated that I needed. And mm. they wanted me to come down on price. 
And I just said, like, there is yeah. no way I am going to be doing that. This is insane. If you think that I can, you know, I, I can conduct what I've suggested I can do in a third of the less time than what I've asked for and for a lower price. So I just let it go. And, but the point is that when I started out, I would have like probably twisted myself and really tried to do it and really fitted in to their mold mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. what they were after. Um, and as you get into business, you, you, you start to understand more of who you are and more of what your business does. And so it puts you in a stronger position to be able to say, nah, that's rubbish. I'm not doing it. And it also puts you in a position where you can say, yeah, totally. I'll do that. That's fine. Yeah. Totally you know great. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's when you're thinking about, you know, either making yourself or your business a celebrity on whatever scale you want, whether it's just to your, like I said, your immediate local area so that people in your village Mm -hmm. or town know that you're a florist or whether you're looking to go into a regional, national, international kind of status. The thing to think about the most is that the bigger you or your business get, the bigger the requirement is. So if you, you know, you don't see um, Louis Vuitton and Fendi and Givenchy doing some poxy little poorly produced ad campaigns, you know, like they're, Mm. they're doing multi, multi million dollar campaigns, you know, and they are Mm. washing money over the walls just for the sake of it. And it's like, you have to think that the bigger you get and the more successful you get, you require that. And you often think like, I often think, why is it that celebrities get paid so much money to do certain things? And the reality is, it's because the lifestyle that they have to have requires a certain income. Like, if you mm. require security and protection and things like that, you require a certain income. You know, that's why you're paying the fee. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's you have to think about that in a business sense as well because, you know, people can smell a fire festival a mile away. So, you have to be <laughs> able to back the goods up. You know, like, if you're mm-hmm. saying that you're such and such, you have to be able to actually walk the walk as well as the talk that you've already talked. You know what I mean? Like, it is real easy to just... We've all looked at something and thought, "Mm, I don't know about that. You know, like, that looks a little bit wish.com for me. Like, I'm just going to... I'm going (laughs) to close close browser and just forget that I ever saw that. <laughs> but I think... Well, absolutely. I mean, I see that with some florists sometimes mm-hmm. as well. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen people on TikTok and people on Instagram that have, you know, maybe huge followings, mm. but the way It's is- shit. It's, it's shit. It's yeah. yeah. really, really bad. I can think of one particular Same. example. I can who, think of a couple. Yeah. <laughs> who has a like quite a sizable following on TikTok, but the work is just really lacking. And I mean, the it, the thing is, though, I think if you are a right, okay, this is what I think. Right, <laughs> not everybody can do everything. Okay, no. so Jennifer Lopez is not going to come out with dog grooming products. That market is always going to evade her. I'm sorry, J Lo, but it's true. Like nobody can do every single thing. And if I think you are, if you have enough self-awareness and if you manage yourself well, or if you have people who work alongside you that can, you know, help manage the direction you go in, you will focus on your strengths and play to them. Like not every celebrity and not every business person and not every business can do every single thing. So focus on your key strengths. So like, I know this, um, what brings you joy or what what makes you money? 
is really absolutely yeah. and you know money brings me joy yeah. <laughs> um i particularly know this you know i'm aware of this this one uh, person on um tiktok they've got a huge huge following like huge like much bigger than mine um and i looked at that I've, like I've, i see their work like every now and then and uh, admittedly i go on tiktok like once every three months like it, i miss i could do a lot better on tiktok i think i've got like four followers or something um but my point is is that i was really interested in kind of seeing what he came up with and what he did and all the rest of it um and then i was very surprised uh last year sometime um this person launched a online course and i thought my gosh i thought that is not the direction i would have gone in with your business mm. because the work is um not the best not the most technical not the most developed or advanced that i've seen um and i thought gosh an educational course is really not what i would have offered if i were you mm. i would have offered something much more fun much more uh you know enjoyable much more like like a public friendly have a go type thing um <laughs> as opposed to you something must have that had was so much, much fun more. making that Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's always interesting to see, you know, like, I'd be lying if I said I didn't keep an eye out on what my competitors did or what my colleagues did. Obviously, because I want them to succeed. And I like seeing what new things people are bringing to the, to the market. Um, and some things I think, you know, sometimes you do see things which are a really good fit for people and you think, oh, that will fly. That'll be so good. And then other times you see things that I think, hmm, okay, that's maybe not what I would have done, but that's quite interesting. Let's see what happens from that and it's a it's a really good idea that you know you have to bear in mind as a business person you have to focus as you said on what your strengths are and what is the right kind of brand fit for you and what direction you want to take your business in Mm, yeah and it's also not just what direction you want to take it in but what direction you can maintain because ah so true once you're there girl it's maintenance like i mean i i have such a strong following on instagram and fuck me they're loyal because like the last few Mm. months i have been so bad on instagram and the amount of people that still you know contact us and they're just like are you okay you know like we, we noticed that you you haven't really been posting much and it's 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 hard because, you know, I can't sugarcoat it and say that it's not hard because it bloody is. And sometimes you don't mm. feel like being that um, celebrity as such. You know, like you don't feel like yeah. you don't feel like putting on a show today. And it's just like, no, I don't feel like doing a show today, you know, and it's like. But I think you, if you don't mind me totally mm. interrupting, I think you kind of had two two careers there. You had, you know, Matthew Landers the flower brand mm-hmm. and you had Matthew Landers the influencer um social media and you know you fuse them very very well mm. you know to the delight of your audience and to the success of your business but really like it's a it was a huge amount of work you were putting mm. yourself I, would, I think I've, I would have said to you in the, in the past like I don't know how you do it I don't know how you have the time to film all these videos and tutorials and like, everything else that you were doing on Instagram all these funny uh stories which were like actually hilarious but that is a full time job. Oh, like totally. It's a full time job on top of the full time job you were already doing, you know, with the flower brand. Like, I, yeah. d- I don't know how you did it. I handle my, my, my persona and myself very very differently so i don't do lives anymore i don't kind of i don't like the quality of them i don't like doing anything that isn't like lovely like really nicely recorded and really nicely like set in advance and i think there is a i put i think i put enough of my personality into everything i do on social media Mm. but at the same time i you there is definitely you're getting 
one side of me and it doesn't necessarily rely on me having to be on Instagram every single day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally um, do. But I think it's a very different thing. So if you were starting out in, you know, looking to kind of be a regional celebrity and yep. get your brand across, mm-hmm. what what are the two kind of, or what do you have any key things that you think people absolutely need to be doing? I mean, I would say social media is one. Is there yeah. anything else that totally. kind of springs to mind that is like an essential? Uh, look, if you want to really take it seriously and you've got a little bit of time and maybe even a little bit of money to invest, like absolutely seek professional help. Like if you mm. really want to actually make something like let's just say you have won some awards or some sort of Mm -hmm. something that can boost you like you know you obviously Mm -hmm. had awards Mm -hmm. um that could boost you and the same as i did you know we both had Mm -hmm. something professionally that could boost us when we wanted to do our own business Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. we neither of us leveraged the luxury of money we didn't have the money to go to a, a marketing agency or a publicist or anything like that did we you know so we just had to go and try and leverage that ourselves to people. And when I started out in business, there was no such thing as social media. You know, So we have to think Mad. about what I know. And it's like, what are people, how can people discover you? So how can people discover you and what can they buy from you? So I think the most important thing is how can you actually turn the interaction into a sale? Because it's not, mm. a, it's not a follower's game. Do you know? It's not about how many people you can get following you. It's about what the hell you can sell them or what can you Absolutely. do. And they don't necessarily want to buy now. They don't necessarily want to buy now. Not everyone needs flowers or your services or whatever it is that you're doing. Not everyone's going to need it now. I've definitely had situations where I've seen advertisements or some sort of hype in the past and thought, shit, when I need that person or that service or that product, that's where I'm going. So I just put it in my little, you know, little bookmark bank. Um, Absolutely. So you won't always see the return on investment as such straight away. So don't be disheartened if, you know, you trying to become a celebrity as such and then all of a sudden it's crickets like that that doesn't necessarily mean it's a failure but it is hard to kind of monitor the success of a lot of these things so that can um be something to be mindful of is that you know when you're looking to actually try and gauge the success of a a campaign or something like that it's like how do you determine the success when you're starting Mm. out because not everyone needs you people are also loyal to other businesses that maybe offer a similar service. So I think it's about creating that hype and trying to distinguish either your brand or your service from competitors. And if you're looking to, you know, really establish uh, a following as such, you have to also importantly think about, are you trying to be aspirational to people or inspirational? Like, are you going to post little inspirational quotes and motivate people and stuff like that? Or are you going to be aspirational and post the fact that you've got river views and you're swimming in Louis Vuitton? You know, like, what's the... (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, it really is. It's just like, do you want people to see you for one thing or another? So, it's like, what's... Yeah. um, Yeah. I think that's so, so true. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that to unpack. Because I think that when we are very much kind of like starting out in business, no one really knows the direction in which they are going. And over time, you realize that it takes time to build a business and it takes time to figure out what is the right path for you to go down. Mm -hmm. I mean, I started off my company and I would be like, I remember when I was, um, you know, maybe in the first year of our business or even when I was freelancing before I started the company. And I would be like, 
like, why aren't people booking us? Yeah. Why are why aren't thousands of brides lined up at my door, etc., mm-hmm. etc.? Et and that was me grossly misunderstanding um, how business worked and how people, you know, purchase things and how many times people need to see your work or and it's trust. Know, see I think about this is trust you. as well. You know, like when it you is. when you've got a portfolio, like now that you've got a portfolio of hundreds and hundreds of beautiful weddings, the trust is there. The trust is there that yes. you don't just have five Chelsea gold medals. The trust is there that you've executed a shitload of weddings in your local Absolutely. area and that you're the person to do people's weddings. Absolutely. So that was exactly the scenario I was in. I would be like, you know, when I was freelancing or, you know, just in the first year of the business or so, mm. I'd be like, I have five Chelsea Gold medals. Mm. Why are, why are people using, you know, this florist? Why are people using that? Why aren't people using me? And it is exactly that. Just because you are brilliant at one thing or just because you know that you are brilliant, if you don't show people in a way that they can understand and see it for themselves, they're never going to purchase from you. Oh. And it takes such a long time to build up that level of trust, trust. and um, that level of for you to own the space that you're in and that you're trying to make a business in. And it's so important what you said earlier um, to note about, you know, when you have an Instagram following mm. or when you get a piece in the local newspaper or when you have a slot on the local radio station, there is really no point doing that unless it has a clearly defined purpose. Mm-hmm. And usually you will be selling something or yeah. promoting a product mm-hmm. or promoting a service or, you know, maybe, you know, promoting a cause or whatever it's going to be but you need to have that clearly defined idea of what that message is because if or what that product is because if you don't it can just be so confusing mm-hmm. and i think for the longest time um i had a very global kind of following like if i look on instagram now my following is it's a largest in america then it's the uk mm-hmm. then it's australia it is not div- like and when i look at my cities they're all over the the top five cities on my instagram they're all over the world they are not you know manchester liverpool leeds you know they're not the cities around me because the majority of my following is more global and therefore my products need to be global to serve those people so it means that if, for example, I was to launch a candle range in my local, if I had a flower shop in Manchester, it wouldn't work the same way as if you had a candle range mm-hmm. in your shops in Perth, mm-hmm. because I know that your following is much more local, local. to Perth and local yep. to Australia. And so you can sell your products really easily to them. Whereas I, if I had a physical product, I would really struggle to get that out into the world, but simply because my uh, audience is so distributed. But interestingly, so you've, you've adapted it. You know, like you've gone, my audience is so global, so I'm going to create something that I can sell to someone no matter where in the world they are. So to me, that is just smart and very sensible. Whereas my objective was to create a local following, you know, so that that, yeah. was, that was my objective because I thought, well, if I'm going to litter shops of mine around this local area i want to make sure that like (laughs) there's no other choice do you know what i mean like i want to make sure that people go um in fact one of the radio campaigns uh that we did was the tagline or whatever you call it the jingle as such was Mm. um matthew landers the only florist you need to know and I was like... I mean, that says everything. It was just so... Like, I remember when I heard the creative and I thought, oh, 
I don't know about that. And then I heard the actual ad and I was just like, wow, that actually sounds, it sounds really good. Like it was compelling. It it made people go, oh shit, this is the only person I need to know when I need flowers. Absolutely. And I think it's always, I think that is so fundamental to knowing what you're doing. You know, what are you selling? Are you selling bouquets um, and, you know, in your flower services locally? In which case, target your audience and target local um, outlets that service that population. So if I was, a, if my main goal was to be the best wedding florist in Manchester or the best wedding florist in London, I would be looking at all of those local wedding fairs. I would be looking at all of those local wedding events. I would be looking at all those showcases. I'd be looking at local newspapers, like the Evening Standard, all of that kind of stuff. Mm. I would be looking at media which service that local area. Because if I don't, if I don't want to do weddings in Spain, I don't want to do weddings in, I don't know, the Outer Hebrides in Scotland, Mm. then, you know, why would I be focusing (laughs) any of my time or money or effort up there? I totally wouldn't. But equally, if you have a product that you can sell nationally, then you need to think nationally. You need to target different outlets and a different audience. And the same applies if you happen to have a product that's more sold internationally. You need to be aware of kind of where those hotspots are because, Mm. you know, I don't sell, you know, I don't make my money in Gibraltar or in Mauritius. You know, it's very much in America. So I (laughs) talk... Yeah. <laughs> so it's where I absolutely. So it's where I target a lot more of my efforts is to kind of where my audience is. And I think I think it starts off really. If I was to say what is the blueprint to becoming a regional celebrity? This is the Joseph Massey blueprint to being a regional celebrity. I would say first of all, identify what your services are, what your product is, what are you trying to sell? Mm -hmm. Then identify who is the audience that you want to sell that to. Mm -hmm. And then all of your marketing and PR activities are how you can convey those services or those products in a way that excites and engages and inspires and delights your customer. Do you know what one of Amazon's slogans are? One of Amazon's slogans is delight the customer. And I think that is so brilliant Mm -hmm. because all I ever want when someone purchases anything from me, whether it's, you know, whether I'm signing up to do a 10 grand, 20 grand wedding, whether I'm doing, you know, an installation, whether I am, I don't know, doing a a teaching something or an online course, whatever. I want that person to think, gosh, that was fantastic. That was brilliant. I want them to have a smile on their face and be like, that was brilliant. And I think, I think so many florists, they get so... I think they take it too personally mm-hmm. and they make it all about what they make and what they want and what they grow and all the rest of it. Instead of thinking at the end of the day, we are a business, you know, a big part of business is marketing and PR and we want our customer to be delighted at the end of the day. Do you not agree? Well, I, like one billion percent, you know, like there's the- a billion <laughs> like Thank there's you. just, it's, it's literally the foundation of what we do. You know, what is the point unless the customer has been bought joy? You know, that 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 is why someone goes and parts mm. with money. Like, why on earth would I go and pay forty or fifty dollars to have someone else cook me a steak if it's not better than the way I can cook it? Absolutely. You know, like Absolutely. it's just the age old thing, love. You know, so I think that that is totally part and parcel as well of becoming a celebrity as such. You know, whether it's your mm. business becoming a celebrity or you personally, it is, it's about how you drive that to its end game. 
And you have to think about Absolutely. what is my end game? Is my end game just to build more of a social following? Is my end game to build my business? Is my end game to get partnerships? What is it? What is it? Like spell it out as much as you possibly can so that you understand for yourself so that you don't get confused when you think, what am I doing this for? I've forgotten because that will mm. come, you know, like the, that moment when you need clarity going, what the hell have I signed myself up for? Why am I doing this? You need to be able to look back at that goal board as such and go, oh, that's right. This is why. Because I wanted to be rich. And in order for me to be rich, I needed to be famous. Oh, shit, I'm already rich. Do I still need to be famous? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. you know, those things where it's like, yeah, I think it's important to make sure you keep on track with your your goal or the, the reason it's like anything it's the same as in business it's the same as when you go into a, a relationship with someone as well it's like never lose sight of why you started because if that's changed mm. then you might need to reconsider you know so that's yeah really important it is it's so true because i always think that when you start any project or any goal you know it's always best to begin with the end in mind you know stephen covey and all his teachings but at the same time like you have to give yourself the freedom to adjust as you go and really sometimes check in and be like what do i want to achieve i mean i actually start working on my goals for the year ahead every kind of probably like november december i start thinking hmm what has worked this year what hasn't worked this year what do i want to focus on you know da, 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 da. and yes you know, the past two years have been very difficult because I think out of, I can't remember exactly what it is, but I think out of the, the, all of 2020 and all of 2021, I think we only had nine months out of 24 that we could trade properly. Um, and you know, three of those months were before the pandemic hit and then six of them were over the resulting, you know, like 15 months. It was really, really difficult. But this year I think feels different. It feels like things are hopefully getting back on track across the world. Um, you know, and I'm very hopeful that I'll be able to have a full 12 months trading this year without having to, you know, shut my doors and, you know, without having sectors of my business unable to perform. So this year I felt much more optimistic and much more energized to think of what are my goals what do i want to achieve mm -hmm. and they've definitely shifted over the pandemic i would probably go so far as to say the pandemic is probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me wow. and i mean that not in a very flippant way because i know it's caused so much um destruction and pain and of upset course. and sorrow yeah. across the world but how it affected my probably not the best thing that's ever happened to me but it's one of the best things that ever happened to my business and in the beginning i was like oh my gosh, this is horrendous. This is a tsunami, you know, crashing into my small business. What am I going to be able to do here? Mm. Oh my gosh. And then over time, I started to realize, actually, this has given me the opportunity to really step back and really think about where I'm going with this company and what do I want to achieve? And this year, we have four sectors of the business, which we are really pushing and really, really working on. And we have two sectors of the business, which we have made a conscious decision not to push. We're not closing them down we are just actively not pursuing opportunities in those very specific markets mm. um, and that's because we've decided that we don't need to because they don't quite serve us as well as they did before the pandemic um, and I think part of being a business owner is a responsibility to check in to make sure that you align with your goals and that you are totally on the right track to achieve your goals and unfortunately in this day and age 
you have to be aware that it's sometimes not enough to just know your goals and know what you want. You have to be able to shout about them too. Mm. You have to be able to get your brand out there and your activities out there because there is so, there's so much noise in the world nowadays. I mean, have you ever felt, even when you were starting out, Matthew, mm. that maybe you kind of were a bit nervous about putting yourself on that stage? I was so, or... I was so nervous. But the really? one thing that I knew I could do is convey the joy to other people. I could convey mm. m- through my charisma and my personality, I could convey how much fun we had at work. And yes, yeah. I've had so many people comment over the years, especially when Kirby worked for me that, mm. you know, I see how much fun you guys have on a daily basis. And it was so mm. true and so genuine, you know, like how much, yeah. how much genuine fun and joy we had on a daily basis. And the fact that I was able to share that with a very global community of loyal people that followed along for the ride. Like it's a mm-hmm. privilege to me that people have, you know, allowed us to entertain them, if you will, you know, like that we've been able to actually share the journey and been able to share that joy. And I think that that's, that's probably the thing that's been the most captivating for me is being, having people, um, cause there's that thing about, you know, having trust in someone and having faith in someone. It's two very different and very subjective things. So mm. I think that it, you know, people had faith in me as a florist. They'd seen the awards. They've seen the things that we could produce, all that sort of stuff. So that builds the faith in you. But then the fact that I was putting my own face and voice and name and tone and humor and everything like that built the trust. So it allowed Mm -hmm. people to have that faith and trust in me and the brand I was trying to build. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that is such an important thing to note that it is a combination of things, isn't it? It sometimes isn't just a case of having one thing or doing one specific, uh, you know, focus on one specific area. It has to be everything to kind of bring it all together. And the secret sauce is different for everybody. You know, every single business out there, every single floral business out there will be weddings or events focused or will be retail focused or will be corporate focused focused or could be uh, maybe you're a floral stylist you know there's so many different facets and so many different ways which we can explore our art and our creativity you know within our industry and therefore there's no one size fits all right there's no one marketing plan or one PR plan that we can say this is what you do and you know you'll go on and you'll be a star baby how much personality you put in there how humorous it is um, you know how I don't know how serious it is Uh how educational it is Uh You know, how, you know, elusive and, um, you know, maybe exclusive it feels. All of those things really come into play as to who you are and who your business is and, um, you know, how you convey that to your customer. So really, it's, it's very individual, isn't it? But my advice would be to, you know, essentially start at the very beginning. Think of what are your services? What is your product? Who is your audience? And how can you convey what those services or what those products are to get your audience excited and engaged and to care about what you do? Because really every single business is building a community, is building an audience around it. Um, and the more engaged you are with that community, the absolute better, I think. Mm, I, c- I couldn't agree more, love. It's it's about it's 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 the same as when you build, you know, uh, or you're nurturing a new friendship. It's the, think back to when we first met. You know, we we met and we were like, oh, you know, like 
we had something. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, yep, you know, like aside mm-hmm. from the fact that we enjoy each other's company, we have quite parallel, you know, upbringings and lives and, you know, a lot of similarities, you know, in each other. It it mm-hmm. takes it takes mutual respect and mutual commitment. So I feel like if you're willing to commit to your following as such, your following will then commit back to you. You know, it's that. Oh, amen to that. Yes. Yeah. Amen to that. That's it. I'm done. The the golden goose has laid the egg. <laughs> Insert the sound. The goose has laid the egg. There it is. I have shut it out on the table for you this evening. February, 38 degrees outside. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today, guys, for this episode of Flowers After Hours. We have had an absolute hoot doing it, and I hope it's been doing it for you. It's been a hooty toot. Make sure you click subscribe down below and that you leave us a rating and review. That would mean the absolute world to us, and you do not want to miss an episode of Flowers After Hours. Help us on our way to becoming the next Floral Kardashians, and we'll see you on the next one. I am the goose. The egg has been laid.